Welcome to the Harvest House Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, you can find us at harvesthouse.live.
shepherd and the parable of the good shepherd without starting with the context of the blind man. So the blind man is the close of John chapter 9, and the blind man that was healed, the context of that is that Jesus healed this blind man. If you remember, they were debating about generational curses. They were debating about who was king. They were debating about why God had done that. Why is this, why was this child healed with his or her parents? From God. Because of women that happened in that time. And so they're debating that, and Jesus ignores the debate entirely and says, I want to heal him. And the thing that I love about this more than anything else, maybe, is that Jesus so, so gratuitously shows us what the love of God looks like that the man hasn't even asked to be healed, and Jesus heals him. And so it's not so much, uh, yes, it was for Jesus to heal him, of course, but it's bigger than that. It's the idea that God only heals. God is healing, restoring, um, uh, liberating, delivering, everything you find in the first um, message, second of Jesus in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus says to go to the poor and heal the blind man, to preach the good news to the wealthy, to preach the good news to the middle class, because we're the best hiders. That's what we're supposed to do. To preach the good news to the poor. So, and, and thing that I think about that, yes, of course, the good news to the poor would probably look like giving to the poor, right? I mean, there's going to be an element, there has to be an element to that. Because to me, I think one of the challenges we have is we've went to the poor and said, God loves you and your life sucks. But if you accept Jesus, if you die, you'll get to go to heaven. And there are these two big goals. That's a really crappy message. <laughs> but that's been our gospel. That's been the good news. The good news is you're going to start now, but there'll be a marathon waiting for you. Well, that's a little parallel scripture. How about the good news is that God loves you, and how about the good news is that here's what you do? And how about the good news is that we have to find a job and that that's sustainable in your lifestyle? And how about the good news is that even though society says you're on the outside, you're already on the inside because you're far enough and so Jesus, in this context, goes into talking about um, this idea that um, there is this sheep fold, his sheep know his voice, and he identifies, if you read one of the Gospels there, or one here, he identifies that the sheep that hear his voice, it's not about condition. I've always taught that the sheep that hear his voice are those that respond. So they didn't hear his voice, now all of a sudden we hear his voice, we come into the fold, now we're a sheep. He actually discerns that everybody is a sheep. He's paralleling the idea that this God who is Father has created us all to be sheep to hear his voice. And they hear his voice. And he says specifically, anybody that comes out of the way is a sheep and a robber. And he pulls back that line from Matthew 34. We talked about that. It's our religious leaders that seek to oppress people with a gospel that should be liberating. And so John chapter 9, uh, uh, yes, excuse me, verses 7 through 10, 
Jesus, if you remember, remember it starts in verse 1 and says, Jesus spoke to them plainly, and it ends by saying, Lucia had no idea what he was talking about, right? So now he's giving that to us. So we can write it down. Isn't that funny? That's where it should be. Like he starts and he tells them this much, and then they just don't get it. So he ties it in. So we know he's giving it to us whenever we're ready. That's important. So he's trying again. How do they miss it then? I am the goat or the sheep. You others are up to no good. Sheep stealers. But the sheep didn't listen to me. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for and will freely go in and out and find pasture wherever he goes. A thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life or a better life than they already have. Whew. I'm really glad that I'm part of the in group because this in group gets all that stuff. Good Shepherd. So Jesus is brilliantly systematically laying out um, parables that speak to God's desire to begin and to cure the whole world. The message of the gospel is a liberating message. However, you're liberated, you can be liberated. So as he does this, he is contrasting it with a warning to those that oppose the so he's, he's, he's showing this contrast, juxtaposition between the idea of this type of leader and this type of leader. This is all that Ezekiel 34 is about. Ezekiel 34 literally says, you shepherds, pastors, sheep shepherds, have led them and have taken from the sheep, stolen from the sheep, and left the sheep, but I will come and be a good shepherd who will care for their needs. So Jesus quotes that promise, and now he turns and says, okay, now in this, I'm not the shepherd, I'm the goat. So the first contrast is the first metaphor. Keep it in mind, I have to say this over and over again. Jesus is not really a shepherd. Like, Jesus doesn't have one of those little goat hooks. Jesus is not really a shepherd. Jesus recognizes the goat. Looking ahead. But this metaphor of goat, so we have this idea or this thought that, okay, so if Jesus is is just a shepherd and the good shepherd, then my job is to be a sheep. Yeah, kind of. But that's not the be all end all of what he's doing. He's giving an example of how people are cared for. And to me, the primary challenge of the Christian church is we've been so busy trying to be sheep that we have forgotten to follow in the way of the shepherd. We've been so busy trying to figure out how I can stay in the pasture of Jesus the Good Shepherd that we forget that the whole content he's giving is not saying to be well rested with everybody a good goat, not your He's giving us the model because he's telling them, I don't follow after me. 
wasn't a real concept. The whole point was not for you to walk around and say, God, I'm trying your authority. I would say one of the biggest challenges for this church is that we don't have As long as you're following the will of God. But if you stop at that metaphor, you don't follow through to really following in the way of Jesus. Because then your job is to protect and care for and lay down your life. And you say, no, I'm not going to get that authority. So Jesus goes on and doesn't say it in the first parable by showing that we are all part of God's sheep. If you're breathing, you're part of God's It's not the follow-up to a Roman slave trade. If you're breathing, you're in the fold. And so in that idea, Jesus is not contrasting. This is the real thing that we've got to get through our mind. And I know this is a difficult passage. In the idea of of the parable, he's not contrasting the sheep and thieves and robbers. So you're a sheep, but anybody else that doesn't come through the way of Jesus is a thief and a robber. So we think he's doing that, not doing that. The first thing to remember is he he is he fully allows the thieves and robbers to exist and be cared for in the same pasture as sheep. So this is not about eternal damnation and getting into heaven and getting into hell. The first thing we have to remember is that he's contrasting the shepherd and the thieves and robbers. The shepherd comes in through the gate. Uh, Actually, what it says further is the stuffer through the gate. But anybody who's being not by the gate is a thief and a robber. Or what if he just said, he's giving a contrast. Careful if it's not the kind of thing that's 
religious police are the ones that see you doing one of those um, one of those frisbee pictures. Isn't that right? Where you crank the golf cart and you do the frisbee boomerang pictures. Uh, where you doing the boomerang pictures? And boomerang comes back. Frisbee comes. Well, frisbee comes back if you're throwing it to somebody.
But notice, he doesn't say that he's just okay if you if you say if you are going to get to God, you must deal with is not about getting to God. The point that he's making is about how you care for the sheep. So I absolutely believe that if a, as a Christian that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But I'm not just suggesting that Jesus was not speaking here of letting some people into the pasture and keeping other people out. Jesus, in this story of being the shepherd, is trying to tell us about care for the earth, care for creation. We have found Jesus, as the phrase, into some type of heavenly nightclub bouncer. Jesus is at the door, heaven's on the other side, God's there, and he's got, you know, that like uh, little sash that they kind of put across there to like keep you out. And if you're there with a girl, your chances are better that you're going to get in. But if it's a dude by himself, sorry, back in the line. You know, that's just the way it works. Ladies drink for free, all that kind of stuff in heaven. And so the idea, come on. So the idea of how this works is we think when Jesus becomes the gate, seriously like some type of heavenly Rather, Jesus has already said that we are all a sheep. We are within the pasture of God's loving care. He's describing a common practice in the ancient Near East at the time. When not out in the open, but when you had uh, you were at a place where they would have like these fenced-in walled areas where a shepherd would keep their sheep. The sheep that were being kept out, they didn't have gates. So to shepherd. You find this, in fact, I, I looked and 30 different, you know, 
Spirit says that that is the path of safety, what saves us. But if we want to understand the meaning of our feet, we need to, to Christ's profit, look at the words. Once we look at the purports, it becomes clear that feet does not at all refer to the devil. There's another approach we could take. In general, symbols and names have come about meaning. Instead, we need to take passage whose existence and its place are contested. For example, when the familiar, the shepherd metaphor is used all over the place. Also, Psalm 89 looks at the devil. The metaphor keeps repeating through all these religious leaders who have taken Jesus to Religious leaders, the passage, woe unto you shepherds, for you feast and take on uh, many flocks. You are like a thief and a robber. Jesus has just gotten done. Was he dealing with the devil? Who was he dealing with? The religious leaders. He just got done healing the blind man, and they're arguing with him about doing this and why it wasn't right. So then they're, they're arguing back and forth, and he's giving them an example, and he's exposing a good shepherd who cares, which is what they should be doing, laying their lives down, so that God can deliver and liberate and heal, as opposed to a thief who is oppressing so as to maintain the religious and social
about God afterwards. The authoritarian and patriarchal hierarchical church systems started saying, we're not the deacons either. Satan is. Does anybody have any thoughts about maybe why all of a sudden they picked that group? No, we don't like that group. That We don't like that structure. We don't like that. We need to say it's Satan that's here. Because it takes the critique away from what they're doing and it licenses them. Then they can forever sit there and they it licenses them to act and to be the deacons. It licenses them to say, I am the pastor, so I deserve the closest parking spot. And I'm the pastor, so I am I should be served in every way. And people should treat me a certain way. And people should they should tithe to me and they should be everything should cater to me. Because Jesus said, if you're the leader, you should be the one dying, not the one being served. If you're the pastor, if you're the shepherd, if you, in any relationship, in any scenario, if you're the one with the most power, you should be the one dying and laying the power down so that the one who has less can come up higher. So if you're engaging with a homeless person, you're the good shepherd. If you're engaging with an ethnic minority, you are the good shepherd. If you're engaging with a poor person, or if you're in this area where you don't find it very common to run into people of different religious beliefs, you're engaging with an LGBT. they still don't understand. So Jesus closes this whole thing because he said, now what's going on? You don't understand. I don't think you understand. Why? You know why you don't understand? Because the flock, my flock, is much bigger than you could possibly comprehend or imagine. There are many who are in my flock that you don't consider worthy. of the religious leaders and says, you don't know this because you're not me. You don't belong to my flock. You are my sheep and not of this flock. But you're not part of my flock anyway as a shepherd. So he closes with this. All are my sheep and I give them life and life to its fullness. Life and life more abundantly. So Jesus is showing us that we are safe and we are loved. Father, 
to love is to allow our truest and deepest nature to fade. The Father doesn't decide to love the Son. The Son doesn't decide to love the Father. Fatherhood is the flow from the Father to the Son. The Son does not choose to have either release some of their love to the Father or to the Holy Spirit, but they're in perfect surrender and submission. They're laying themselves down so that the Trinity something that's just open and incandescent is poured out, poured out, poured out, and we're the conduit. This is the way God sees us. Thank you for listening to this message from Harvest House Church. For more information, find us online at harvesthouse.live.